Today we're talking building businesses in residency, concierge medicine, unique moonlighting opportunities, and more on this episode of the Talk To Me Doc podcast. It's story time, brought to you by locumstory.com. Today we'll be reading One Job, Two Job. One Job, Two Job, Red Blob, No Job, Elective Doc, Emergency Doc, Summon Overstock, Summon Out of Stock. The doc is too abused. The doc is underused. This doc can't get sick. Say, let's try a brand new trick. For all the docs about to cry, here's an idea you can try. Look into a locum tenens assignment, a really great option, you might find it. Don't forget locums pays much better, and you can find assignments in any type of weather. With all this new info trapped up in your thinker, go to drpodcastnetwork.com slash locumstory and use your mouse to tinker. It's here you'll find the unbiased answers you are after, so you can decide if locum tenens is your next chapter. Welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast, where it's all about serving the early career physician. Let's talk about the unique issues that face us so we can create a better future for ourselves and those to come. And now your host, Dr. Andrew Tisser. Hey, everybody, it's Andrew, and welcome back to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. I'm so happy you're here. For my returning listeners, thank you so much. For my new listeners, welcome. Because today, like on every episode, I'm bringing you the best guests from all around healthcare and beyond to discuss issues relating to the early career physician. Today, I have a wonderful guest, as always, Dr. Brooke Shule. Dr. Shule is a concierge psychiatrist and the founder of Shule Wellness in Scottsdale, Arizona. She was raised in San Diego, California. She completed a bachelor's degree in liberal arts and her medical degree at the University of Missouri, Kansas City's rigorous six-year BAMD program. She obtained her medical degree at the age of 24 and pursued training in general psychiatry at the University of Arizona College of Medicine, Phoenix. Dr. Shule continued her training in child and adolescent psychiatry through Creighton University's fellowship program in Phoenix, Arizona. She is currently in her last year of the program and had the honor of being nominated as a vice chief fellow. Following in the footsteps of her mother and grandfather, she will be a third generation adult, child, and adolescent psychiatrist. Aside from her career as a psychiatrist, Dr. Shule has a passion for helping other physicians identify their career goals and grow their practices. She built her business during her residency training and began to expand and hire other practitioners while still in fellowship. Dr. Shule sees adults and adolescents currently in her private practice, Shule Wellness, and focuses on using a combination of medication management and therapy. The concierge services include house visits and after-hours phone-slash-text availability. Shule Wellness is currently located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and will be expanding into Paradise Valley, Arizona this fall. Well, enough of that. Let's get her onto the show. Dr. Brooke Shule, welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Thanks for having me here today. Absolutely. And so I've recorded a little bit about you for the listeners, but uh, in your own words, could you tell everybody kind of who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm Brooke Chalet. I am a adult psychiatrist and currently in child and adolescent psychiatry fellowship training. I'm from the Midwest in Cleveland, Ohio. I uh, grew up in San Diego and then went to a six-year combined bachelor MD program in Kansas City, Missouri. I matched out to Arizona for my residency and have been here ever since. Well, that's great. The uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, the listeners uh, are intrigued by your bio and, and what you're up to. So um, can you give us a little bit of a background on, on your business and kind of what you've been doing whilst in the middle of training? Sure. Yeah. So when I started residency, I started to kind of think about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and 
kind of making a variety of different interests, which led me to pursue an active real estate license, as well as trying to start a private practice while I was in training. So I would say about third year of residency, I started to kind of put together the building blocks of my concierge psychiatry practice. And then since then have kind of expanded and hired on others who are working at the clinic every day while I'm in my fellowship. Now, people hear that and say, that's not possible. You can't start a private practice while you're in training. So you know, how did that kind of come, come to be? And, and how did you uh, figure out kind of the nuts and bolts of, of how to do that? Yeah, so I think starting with just myself um, in residency, I really did not anticipate bringing on other people. Like you said, I was just trying to like get things off the ground while in training. So I had to kind of figure out how to make an LLC and get a tax ID and what does it mean to write things off and just kind of learning the essentials of business, which they don't unfortunately teach us in medical school. Uh, So that led me to kind of start thinking about how I wanted to put things together, building a fee structure, kind of having a a niche or a message that I wanted to kind of let the community know I would be offering. And that led me to kind of talking to some other people about what I was doing. And they seemed really interested. And I'm like, well, I think you should join me and I need to kind of figure out how to do that. So like, let's, let's kind of figure it out together. And and now I have over five people working in the clinic, seeing patients. That's great. And, but you're, are you practicing in your clinic as, as an adult psychiatrist while you're doing your fellowship or how does that work? Yeah. So right now I see adults and teens um, in my private practice and I see them in the afternoons or on the weekends, but really I'm focused on building the business right now. So I'm, you know, I have a very small panel of patients and really just trying to to build everyone else's panel. That's uh, really cool. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, you know, I hear from residents all the time that perhaps they're thinking about uh, starting out on their own uh, for the, you know, for the outpatient specialties or, uh, or even you hear a lot about, about direct primary care and other such, and obviously concierge medicine. Um, but you also hear a lot of naysayers, especially in the academic programs that uh, uh, private practice is dead and uh, you need to join a group and you need, you know, a ton of money and a ton of, uh, and, and luck and you need to know people, you know, what do you say to, to those people? Yeah, you know, I I think that everyone finds their comfort level in medicine. So for some, that is academic medicine, where you know your shifts ahead of time, and you know exactly how much you're going to get paid. But on the other edge of that, you know, is that um, you have a boss, and you have to abide by certain policies and corporate medicine. So I think that a lot of people speak out of fear, and they, they are very risk averse. Um, which starting a business is very risky. You know, it's like money up front, especially while you're in training, you're barely getting by. So I think it just takes a lot of, you know, self-drive and confidence to just push through all that because there are a lot of naysayers who are, you know, saying, oh, it's going to take you forever to build a patient panel and all of this. And, And I can say two months in, we have over 100 active patients in our clinic. That's amazing. Oh, oh, good for you. And and what about, uh, you know, you also hear sometimes like, oh, you should go out and, and join a group and work in a practice and, and learn how things work and then maybe 
go out on your own. You know, I hear that advice a lot. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it. I think if you're <laughs> going to do something, you should just do it. But, um, well, you know, what do you, what do you say to that? Is, is that yeah. a viable strategy? You know, I think it's as a psychiatrist, I think everyone has a different capacity. Um, so I think for some people, they really do need that help and that structure with, you know, here's how to do administrative work and here is how to kind of put the pieces together. So it does take a, uh, you know, a certain set of qualities to want to push through. And it's really difficult. It's not all fun. It's it's really challenging at times. But I think if someone wants to do it, they should definitely not hold back. Um, it's more, the more safe route for sure to join a group. But in my opinion, like you said, it's it's just best to push through and learn on your own because otherwise you're at risk of getting stuck in those patterns where it's like, oh, now I'm a part of this group. I don't know how to do any of this on my own, so I should just stay. Yeah, that's great advice. And then how about just practical advice, right? Let's say I'm a, I don't know, I'm a second year pediatric resident and and I want to do a, a direct primary care or a um, concierge practice. You know, that's my dream. Uh, how do I get started? You know, do you have any practical advice as far as like resources or or how to start learning about some of this stuff. I mean, an idea is one thing, but you know, practical mm-hmm. steps moving forward is, is certainly a completely different monster. Right. I think as silly as this sounds, I think the very first thing I Googled was how to start an LLC in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> so I think just like the basic building blocks of just what is an LLC versus what's an S corp versus what's a PLLC, just learning some of those basics. And then the the rules for your state goes a long way because that's really the first step. If you don't have a business, you can't make any income to that business. So I think just, you know, getting a really great accountant, getting a really great attorney, those are really my lifelines for how to build and, and start. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, for the listeners who may be hearing this and getting already all nervous, uh, these things are actually very easy to learn, right? The, the, being a doctor is a hard thing. Like learning the basics of business is not a difficult thing. It's very learnable and uh, in a short amount of time. Um, and the other thing is that, uh, you know, we're, we're conditioned. I, I talk to my clients a lot about this, is that we're conditioned as doctors to A, be risk averse, like you said, and B, um, to think that if we screw something up, like a terrible thing is going to happen, right? Like if mm-hmm. you mess up in medicine, your patient could have a terrible outcome. If you mess up in business, generally speaking, you may, you lose a little money and some time, but nothing really bad is going to happen, right? Um, and I think that whole, that fear of failure holds a lot of people back. Yes, I definitely agree. I think it is really scary. And there's definitely times where you will doubt yourself and wonder, like, am I making the right move? No one else is doing this. And, and I think that says something that, you know, no one else is doing it maybe in your circle of people because it, it's really challenging and it poses a lot of risk. And you're, you're just never really sure if it'll work out until you're on the other side of things. True. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a lot of things in life. But I mean, if it's if, if that's what you want to do, then then wonderful. Um, you mentioned this real estate uh, license. You know, can you talk a little bit more about that? That's certainly a, a unique thing to do as, as a trainee. Sure. So when COVID first started and, and the clinic was in my residency program was just scrambling to figure out how to do things. I, I had about a month of time where um, I was like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to get my real estate license. 
my husband and I had been actively investing in properties and we had been running the numbers, picking out the homes and then just having someone else write up the contract. And I'm like, this is silly. Why are we paying someone else to just write the contracts when we are the ones selecting the properties and, and doing the financials behind it? So I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go for it. I'm giving myself 30 days and, and hopefully I can get it done. So I did it in May of 2020 and took the online course and then sat for the test uh, second week of June and then got my license. So I, I highly recommend that to anyone out there who has an interest in, in real estate. Now, you did it more so as an investor. Um and it certainly could be a viable source, uh, another source of income as a resident as well, right? I mean, I don't, uh, it's not, it's not practicing medicine. It's doing something completely different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it, like you said, I kind of did it for the purpose of investing, but then I ended up having 10 sales last year because all of our friends started to be like, wait, you know, will you cut me a deal and help me find a home? And so it just kind of, uh, turned into more, like you said, and and in residency, they really are honest about, um, you know, ACGME hours and submitting moonlighting hours. And this is something you can pursue that the residency programs can really have no say over. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I honestly never would have thought of that. And you certainly see things all the time of residents like, how do I make a couple extra dollars on the side? Um, and, and I'm not too far removed from it. I, I certainly remember the struggle. Uh, but that's, uh, that's kind of an interesting, an interesting route to take if you have interest in it, that is, you know, if you don't, yeah. it's probably not a good idea. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and like, you know, you will make thousands just within a first, you know, one or two deals. And, and I think up front, it may be at least in the state of Arizona cost all of like $1,500 to do the licensing and the class and, you know, get signed up with a brokerage. And, but then you make your first few deals and you're like, wow, why didn't I do this sooner? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, tell me more about what services you're currently providing. I know you're still building out the business and you're, you've brought on a team at this point, um, but uh, it's a concierge practice. So, you know, what is, what is concierge medicine for those who don't know? And what exactly are you providing? Sure. So I think for a lot of people, they associate concierge medicine with retainer model medicine, where, you know, someone comes and they join your practice and they pay an annual fee, which gets them a certain number of services or visits per month. Um, in psychiatry, at least, I just felt like that wasn't really fair to people because it's such a vulnerable and personal personal choice, like who your psychiatrist is because of kind of the what we talk about. So I ended up choosing a fee-for-service route, which is just an hourly rate. So I bill for my time um, for patient visits, and then I bill for any like texting or emailing between appointments. Um, so every one of my patients has my cell phone number, they have my email address, and then each person I brought onto the clinic, I made sure that they wanted to kind of provide that same level of service and were passionate about kind of having a smaller patient load, but then spending more time with them and having that kind of two-way easy accessibility. Um, so that's kind of what we do for concierge psychiatry. And then in terms of the services we offer, we have obviously medication management therapy. We have other psychologists and therapists who provide therapy. We have a nutrition coach. And then when we move into our 
permanent space in November, we'll have a skincare specialist and Botox and fillers. Cool. Cool. And now is this is all done in person. You're, you're not offering telepsychiatry at this time. So we offer both. We have, you know, virtual visits over zoom or in-person visits, but I'm finding a lot of people prefer in person. Yeah, that's fair. The, uh, you know, are you worried about, you know, I'm sure some people hear like what you just said and say, well, I don't want to be getting phone calls like all (laughs) night long and all weekend and on every holiday. I mean, do you find that that that's an issue or because I think I know the answer, but what what have you found? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, my patients are awesome. Uh, Everyone is really high functioning professionals, doctors, lawyers, um, other executives, athletes. So you name it, like they have busy schedules too. They're not up in the middle of the night wanting to text me and they're quite respectful of my time. So I, you know, I absolutely love it. I think it's just so um, easy and it puts them at ease to like just text and be like, Hey, I need a refill. And you're like, okay, no problem. Sending it off rather than getting a message through CERN or having to go through your inbox. Like that all just, I think is a delay in care and frustrates me. So for me personally, I like this and it makes me feel like I'm providing really good service to my patients. True. And I mean, you could be very choosy of your patients, right? I mean, it's at the end of the day, um, it's, it's a very small patient load. So those patients are, you know, who you want them to be at the end of the day, right? Yeah, Um, exactly. I think there's a lot of screening that goes into it because not everyone is the best candidate for a concierge psychiatry clinic, especially if like they would benefit from a community clinic with case managers, a dedicated therapist, you know, a a whole team of people. So I think it just is a matter of finding the right fit for your clinic. Sure. Do you offer services only in Arizona since you're offering uh, telepsychiatry services or are you going to, are you thinking about moving across state lines at some point? Yeah, it's funny you ask that. I'm actually in the process of opening a clinic in La Jolla, California. Um, Mm. So my mom is a concierge psychiatrist in La Jolla, and we're going to be opening a similar group practice there in the next few months. Cool. That's great. You're you're doing amazing things. This is... uh, (laughs) A whole new world. I mean, it, it's this, you know, I don't have to tell you, but this country's mental health kind of situation is is abysmal. And, and certainly uh, we need as much psychiatry help as we can get. So uh, it's really it's a really cool service that you're offering to your community and, and to others in, in your new clinic. So I think that's great. Thanks. I do wonder, like, what it is about residency training that people are kind of almost discouraged, like you said, to start something new and try something on their own, because there's really no better time than when you have the support of like, attendings, you can ask questions to or getting other mentors while you're still in training. So I just I wonder why it's not more common. I think you're previous point is valid that there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of like, this is how it's done. Right. Um, I think for an example, I, I went to do locums uh, straight out of residency because I knew we were only going to be in Chicago for a couple of years, my wife and I, and I got so many, like, you're not, you can't do that. That's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful experience from so many, for so many reasons, but I really learned a lot about being adaptable in different practice settings, what I liked, what I didn't. So if I listened to the naysayers and, and I wouldn't have had you know such a formative experience in my first two years. So, um, 
there's some culture of academia to some degree, I think, uh, that, that fosters that, like, no, this is the path. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think the other issue too, is that if you look at your rotations in medical school and even in residency, it's all academic there. There really are not a whole lot of experiences where you can go to private practice setting and kind of be a fly on the wall and see how that realm of medicine is done. Yeah. And, and, in some circles it's looked down at, Oh, that guy, you know, he, he just wanted to make money or, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that nonsense and like, who cares? Yeah. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, that, that those people are helping patients too. And that's, that's the point of being a doctor. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) certainly a longer conversation for another day, (laughs) but, uh, I just wanted to transition the show a little bit at this point uh, to get to know you as a guest a little bit better. So, uh, what, uh, what do you like to do for fun in all, all of your free time aside from being in training and building a business? <laughs> uh, for fun, I love traveling. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing is when we get free time, we kind of take off from the 115 degree summers here and <laughs> try and go elsewhere. Um, so I think traveling, golf, um, I just try and stay active and spending time with my puppy and my husband. And that, you know, I think that's pretty much it for the, the free time that I currently have. Hey, you can't beat those are all great things. Um, do you, have you uh, had a chance to read any good books lately? I have been studying for my board exam, so that's pretty much all of the good books I have been <laughs> so reading no. recently. <laughs> <laughs> so no, <laughs> I think I have 13 days left until I take the test. Oh man, so good luck. That's uh, <laughs> your crunch time now. How about uh, your favorite book ever? Do you have a favorite book recommendation? Yeah, I think Atomic Habits. I really liked that book. It teaches kind of really good skills and how to build in things to your day that are important to you, how to habit stack. So I, I think that is by far, I think, the the best book I've read. I, yeah, I love that one, too, to be honest. I think it's come up on the show before. That's a that's a great one. Um, and so, Brooke, you've given us a lot of great advice thus far. Um, but if you could give the early career physician just a single piece of advice, what would that be? I think it's just to kind of avoid the naysayers and just pursue what you're passionate about. If, if it's something out of the box that people don't typically do, then just go for it. There's no reason why you should be held back by other people's opinions, because at the end of the day, yours is what matters for your life. Great. Couldn't have said it better myself. If uh, if the listeners are, are interested in what you're doing and, and want to get in contact with you, how can they find you? Yeah, they can contact me through my website, which is www.brookshuletmd.com. And that's B-R-O-O-K-C-H-O-U-L-E-T-M-D.com. Um, or they can just call or text me at 480-370-5656. Wonderful. And I'll put that all in the show notes for the listeners. Brooke, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your really awesome thing that you're doing right now uh, and, and all your advice for the for the early career physician. I know I appreciate it and, and all my listeners do as well. No, thank you for having me on. And I, I hope that we reach some early career physicians who want to kind of take take an idea and run with it. Oh, we will. So and good <laughs> luck on your boards. You're going to crush them. Thanks. <laughs> 
For doctors, the story has changed. Visit drpodcastnetwork.com slash locum story to see if a locum tenens assignment is right for you. It's here you'll find the unbiased answers you are after, so you can decide if locum tenens is your next chapter. What a fantastic show with Dr. Brooke Shule. She really is doing something amazing while building a substantial business while still in medical training. I really enjoyed her discussion of factors that are holding people back, as well as just going for it when you have an idea. Her discussion about real estate license and residency was also pretty interesting. That's all we have for today, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please tell two or three of your colleagues, and additionally, give me an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the show out there. The other thing I'd like you to do after listening is follow me on LinkedIn under my name, Andrew Tisser DL, where I post the majority of my content, podcasts, career strategy advice, as well as a video series. Thank you again for listening. And as always, keep talking. All opinions expressed by the guest in this episode are solely the guest's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Andrew Tisser DO, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof. The guest's opinions are based upon information he or she considers reliable, but Andrew Tisser DO, TalkToMe.LC, nor any affiliates thereof warrant its completeness or accuracy. The guest, Andrew Tisser DO, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided in this episode. The guest statements and opinions are subject to change without notice.